Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gon' body this hood politics, acknowledge it. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee. I duck, could it be my time is up with my love? I got up, the cops shot again. Bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, Jumping in front of the cameras, trying to be seen, 
um, you know, trying to get the attention, doing the most extreme or the most uh, publicity gathering stunt that we could do as a people was by, you know, by design. I thought that we were intentionally doing these things, and a little bit of that is. But I'm now beginning to believe that a lot of that is because we don't know what else to do. We have no idea where to go or where to take our struggle and how to um, go to the next level, how to aid and assist in the evolution of the liber- in the liberation struggle of African people here in America. I'm, I'm fairly convinced that we don't have an idea. Now, we've been reduced movements and an organization or parties that only offer social band-aids. That we, and this is not knocking them. You've heard me say before that a lot of the things that we do are necessary and are needed, you know, and they're good to a certain degree. But I think that we've gotten to the point that that is the extent of what we do, that we're really starting to believe and especially a lot of the newer people that are just being introduced into the liberation struggle, you know, for the first time and really are starting to get and finding themselves wanting to be a part of progressive organizations, that they think this is what you do. That when the next story comes out, when the next atrocity affects us as an African people, when the next um, tragedy strikes that we should be out there protesting, that we should be in the spot that we have the cameras, that we're jumping in front of the news cameras and, and making these statements and, you know, um, and, and all of these things of bravado and uh, just, you know, basically, like I said, sensationalism. And I'm starting to believe that this is where we think that it ends at. So one of the discussions that a minister and I was having, my minister in justice and I was having, was what is the role of the Panthers? I challenge that to go a little bit further. What is the role of any progressive black organization? Where is the liberation struggle going? Where are these organizations for freedom going? What are we trying to accomplish? You know what I'm saying? And we at the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination or just that, we're fighting for self-determination. But what does that look like? How do you achieve such a lofty goal and objective? How do you do that? We know the problems. We can get on the radio program and we hear us go many a blog talk program and we hear the problems and everyone knows what the problem is. And you hear them say what's wrong with us as a people is, what we, you know, here's the problem with us as a people is, but you very rarely hear solutions. And then when you do hear solutions, take it to the next step of not just the solution, but what are some of the actions that we can begin to take to bring these solutions into fruition, to really make them viable, to really make them applicable and applicable to our everyday living situations that we face as Africans here in America. And that's the challenge. That's what the whole organizing is about and is for for us to be able to come together and for us to be able to come together and pull together on that. To start to come up with some of these some of these real solutions. We can saber rattle, we can wave our fist and we can beat our chest and we can wail and we can moan and we can be grown the system for what they're doing to us, but that's nothing new. I mean it is nothing new. Maybe some of the methods 
that they're using is new. It's not as overt as it used to be. It's not as blatant. It's not out in the open as it used to be when we watched the documentaries and the films where they just openly brutalized us and harassed us and maligned us and, and beat us and tortured us. So maybe the tactics are not as overt, but the but the um, the message that the system is trying to send to us, the the tactics and strategies that the system uses of hindrance and obstruction is the same. And so we have to evolve past the mere waving the picket signs, showing up and protesting. That's only one phase of it. That's only one step of it. How do we go to the next step? And when will we start to graduate and begin to get sick of just doing that, what we have to understand is that is simply just a release of steam. This is all you're doing. You're releasing steam. It's psychological. You think that your oppressor really cares about you picketing or about you marching around the block until you're completely exhausted. And then at the end of the day, you go home, you sleep, and I always tease, and well, not really tease, it's serious, but I have, a, you know, an affectionate name for it. You go home, and we suffer from nigger amnesia. We suffer from nigger amnesia. We protest this one injustice being done to someone of our community, someone of our ethnicity, someone of African descent. We rally, and we rail, and we rage, and we do all the things that we have to do. And before we can take a – before we can start to really enact some program or even begin to think about enacting some program that will affect a real change, we're on to the next issue because we are under attack. I hear us say that we're at war. I, I read your Facebook post. I look at them. And like I said, I, I'm always amazed at the savvy and the tech, you know, the technology and how a lot of you brothers and sisters know how to paste this and put that. Your Facebook posts are very colorful. They're very amusing. They're great for propaganda and sensationalism, but at the end of the day, on any programs, are we taking a step towards real self-determination to really be free and independent of a system that has historically shown you that you are not their friend? Not only are you not their friend, but that they don't have a place for you takes us so far, and this is not knocking us. This is not knocking those efforts. But understand that those efforts are only a footstep in the journey towards liberation. It isn't liberation itself. It isn't liberation itself. They give you that right. They have to give you that right so that they can have that right. Their First Amendment in their Constitution says the right, the freedom of assembly, the freedom of speech. You have that right to protest. You have that right to be angry in a lawful manner. And they have to give you that to, to, to maintain the facade of this democracy and freedom. They're not going to take that from you. Saying that we look like the Keystone Coppers and we fumble and we can't come together and unify to begin to organize ourselves into taking the next progressive step to really start to practice self-determination. And this is what that sh this show is about particularly. In the last couple of weeks, I've been having some wonderful conversations 
we're not just ministers and officers in the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, but also across party lines because what we are is we're, we're working past the partisanship. We understand to be truly effective, we must reach out, we must start to build coalitions and ally ourselves with people who have the same goals, objectives, and agendas, and especially those people that say that they're Panthers is the point in our 10-point platform and programs that I'm always quoting, point number one, we want freedom. We want freedom. We want the right to practice self-determination. This is point number one. This is what it's all based about. So how do we achieve that? One of the conversations that I was having with a minister in um, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense out of San Diego, we were talking about group economics. And some of the things that hinder us from practicing a real group economics, a real, you've heard me, those of you that listen to the program have heard Chairman Yanger always speak about an African communalism, about African communalism and how this African communalism not only has to affect us socially, culturally, but must begin to affect our spending and influence us in our spending habits. It must begin to influence us in the way that we look at money and the way that we begin to do things. If not, then we just, you know, we might as well hang it up. So let's examine some of the things that you feel like would bring self-determination. Some of the things that you think would aid and assist us in going in that direction and helping us being self-determinists. And to aid in this discussion and coming in this discussion, I'm going to open up my chief's line, like always, who is always a pleasure to have on. Let's open up Chief Ward. Chief Ward, your mic is open. Yes, sir. I'll call the people black power. I'll call to the people, black power to black people. Brother, you hear the conversation, you hear the topic. We're talking about self-determination. Why don't you share with our listeners exactly what self-determination is to you um, individually and how the way that we try to disseminate and teach self-determination in, in the party? Well, when I think of self-determination from an individual level, I have to go back to basically having the will and know-how to do for self at various levels. One being, number one, not so dependent upon a system in place that formulates the, the average, average, average the society based around domestication. And what I mean by that is we, get, we were caught up in, a, in the day-to-day nine-to-five grind to the point to where this is why fast food chains thrive. This is why grocery stores thrive. This is why the average person doesn't know anything about farming. This is why the average person doesn't know anything about um, sustainable house or household living because we are so preoccupied, busy serving someone else to, to the capacity where we're not able to make sure that we are able to sustain ourselves for a certain period of time. And is definitely hits our impoverished neighborhoods to the point to where we we the know how is not there as, as well as the ability to to study and get involved in things from that level. So when I think about self sufficiency, 
from that standpoint, it's learning how to survive off the land, learning about my environment, learning what it means to not just only farm, but knowing how to hunt, fish, and do various aspects of basic survivals, survival skills in the event that we need to do that, as well as as this edu- educate educates the individual about, you know, healthy eating habits and things of that nature, because also that has to do with sustainability. So when we have bad eating habits, then, of course, it affects our health, and as it affects our health, it causes us to basically not have a, 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 a fluent lifespan as well as well as bring about, the, you know, dis-ease and, and all kinds of cancers and things of that nature, which forces us to, again, to be more codependent upon a system, which is based on the pharmaceutical industry not trying to develop cures, but to also allow a sickness to be livable, so to speak, so that you are, are hooked into that type of system. And now, from a community standpoint, when I think about self-preservation and being able to be in control of our destiny, it has to do with the, uh, the the people of that land understanding, you know, the social dynamics of what it what a actual common unity is or community is, as well as the uh, demographics and the ethnic ethnicity of that community. So if if you're talking about, for instance, like we are, we we pre- basically address an African the African community, African society, well. The, the basic makeup right now of our, of an African uh, of neighborhood typically is low income. And based upon low income, that typically means we're renting. And based upon us renting, that means we have no self-value or place any value in land purchase or any value in anything that ties us to a land base. And by not tying us to a land base, not having any value in land base, a lot of times we don't develop the mentality to even think about having self-sufficiency or building things from the standpoint of like what you go back to and talk about African communalism. So our people basically uh, put themselves in a position to where we are constantly caught up in a nine-to-five rut to the point to where we domesticate ourselves in terms of our mentality, in terms of our know-how, in terms of our willpower to do for self, as well as when we don't have the willpower to do for self, we let go of certain rights and certain freedoms and certain abilities for the sake of something being provided for us. So as you do that, that's why I go back to the concept of saying being domesticated. So the whole point, what we face in terms of our society, the whole definition in terms of being self-sufficient has a vague and grayed out meaning to most people. So when we finally start trying to decide that we enough is enough and we don't like police brutality or we don't like our you know, being stepped on by the system, a lot of times we don't look at the root cause of that. The root cause of that being being in a position of empowerment because power respects power, period, period, point blank. So if we're not empowered, if we don't have power, if we don't recognize the power we have in numbers, the power we have in unity, then how can we expect a system to even be in a position of change? Because change is not going to come about, come about simply because they get to a point to where they recognize, oh, well, you've been done wrong, we've done you wrong, or we feel sorry for the way things are going because we're talking about a society that capitalizes off of conditions. So it's in, in, inherent in the society to take advantage. And even going back to looking at nature in itself from a standpoint of predator-prey, the predator relies on the prey to stay in a victimization standpoint and to breed from the standpoint of being a victim. Otherwise, the predator wouldn't be able to thrive. 
balance also exists within our community. So as long as we allow ourselves to be the prey, we will thrive and in, 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 in flourish as prey. And the predator would, would thrive and perish as a predator, you know, and that applies across the board with every aspect of our life. As long as we're victims, as long as we continue to play the role of being a victim and being domesticated, being unab- un- uh, not having the ability to do for self, then there will be consumer goods and consumer products and, and lifestyle living based upon us not having the ability to do for self. So all other cultures, races, and so forth will, you know, basically hone in on our inabilities and serve us from that capacity. And everybody will make a profit off of our inability to profit ourselves and do for ourselves as a community. So we'll continue to be preyed upon by our inability to establish our own processes of, of empowerment whether it be economic, social, or whatever. So what is it that, you know, here's my question, Chief War. So what is it that keeps us, I mean, we go to the shops, we go to these uh, these markets, these corner stores, and we see other people controlling these things. And, and it's apparent that they don't live in our communities. I mean, after we leave the store, we don't see any of them as our neighbors that, you know, go to our places of worship or anything like that. What is it, what has been done to us? that blinds us to the need to begin to start to do for self. Well, I think, again, it goes back to what I said about the fact that when you talk about the condition of, of black people, especially going back to when there was uh, when segregation, so uh, quote-unquote, ended, what happened was our, the, the people that were influent in terms of uh, from a social standpoint assimilated themselves into a society, and by doing so, that left our uh, community, our black communities, uh, you know, without the role models and the the, uh, the process in place to where people could um, grow and learn and build from those that know how and those that knew how. Instead of coming back and being feeling obligated to create and bring the community about a better or upliftment, left the community and just did for themselves and just merged into a class struggle. And by them merging into a class struggle and going down that path, and and all we're being left with are people that prey off in the community, whether it be uh, pimps, prostitutes, the same concept, you know, from the from the same position. That could be a a a preacher or a religion or a liquor store or a drug store or the police department. All of these are pimps. They're pimping the system. They're taking advantage of the fact that our communities are thriving off of people that are, are are being preyed upon. And so the mass the masses of our people are again so caught up in a nine of five where we don't sit back and look at the condition. And when we don't look at the condition for what it is, being that we're not into self preservation and we're not into being in control of our own destiny, it becomes a generational mentality. And by it being a generational mentality, that means fewer and fewer and fewer calls of our conditions are. So as the the numbers in, decrease in terms of those that can connect with that mentality, we find ourselves far and in between. And then by uh, the more we find ourselves far and in between, and then the more of society bombards us like how it does now with levels of pacification to keep the masses of people uh, uh, from being awoke about the actual ways to solve the conditions and that we don't galvanize ourselves enough to be able to come together and do this 
then what happens is a disconnect comes about from those that are willing and capable of trying to serve the community, from those in the community that try to tie it back to something else outside of themselves. So we lose sight of who we are. We lose sight of where we're going. We lose sight of how to go about doing it, and then we become uh, fragmented. So keep in mind, those of us that are trying to make a difference about, you know, in terms of uh, getting the people all aligned and, and understanding our condition, we are bombarded with the, the same day-to-day grind, the same day-to-day issues that the average person face, as well as we're, we have, you know, dysfunctionality within our ranks. We also have predators within our ranks. We also have, you know, outside influences and forces fighting against us inside of our ranks and outside of our ranks. And you guys still have COINTELPRO aspects to where they're preventing and trying to make sure that they're, they're, a disconnect maintains between those that are working in the community and making a difference in the community and the community that we serve. A lot of the programs and things that we set up to try to empower our people get replaced by government programs. So when they get replaced by government programs, instead of the community coming, to de- coming together and continually doing for self, what happens is it becomes a, com- it becomes a government service. When it becomes a government service, that throws you right back in a position of being domesticated or something being provided for you. So then the community loses self-worth or loses value within that ability that for them to handle that progress, that process for themselves. To devalue a progress or a process simply because it's given to them or it's handed to them or it's provided to them and it's much easier to pay for it versus to do for self and develop it, which, you know, is ultimately going back to being able to sustain ourselves, then those create these disconnects that we have. So the, the, the whole, to kind of sum up the whole standpoint of what's happening is our people are, are at a, a giant disconnect between what it means to be a free people and what it means to have American or United States freedoms. So we look at the Constitution and going back to what you were saying about freedom of assembly. These are things that are provided based upon the Constitution, but they're not, they're not based upon ethnicity. They're not based upon a condition of, sep- of people being able to control their own will. They're, they're channeled through government input. And so black people tie themselves back to the United States Constitution or the land in which we are, we are, are, are occupying. We, we separate that form of freedom from the freedom of us basically empowering ourselves as a community. So the disconnect, again, goes back to our social systems and our political parties. So the Black Panther Party, the People's Black Panther Party, we are a, a political party for black people so that black people can develop self-determination. But what happens is that gets way overshadowed by the Republican Party or the Democratic Party because those address through the Constitution and through the overall uh, condition of people in the United States, whereas a small sector of those of, of that of the people of the United States are still the ones that are going to be at the bottom and downtrodden, and that is the disconnect that happens. So it's all the way around. We need to understand who we are, what we are, what our conditions are as a people. We need to look at things from a historical standpoint, and then we have to look at things from an uh, ethnic standpoint and understand what's actually being done to us as a people and how we are basically uh, assimilating in all aspects of our way of life to the point to where 
there is no real African uh, way of doing it, doing things. It's all about the American way. Interesting. You're listening to uh, the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Independence Black Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah, um, being co-hosted with our National Chief of Staff, Brother Ward. And we're talking about ways to achieve self-determination. If you'd like to chime into the conversation, press 1. We'll recognize you. Your comments, uh, opinions are always welcome on this program. Just like you always hear me say, brothers and sisters, this is your radio program. This is an opportunity for you to express your opinion and to share with us. One of the things, though, people, I like to discuss and, and touch on, because when we go back, I listen to what you were saying, and I, I agree, I totally agree with the whole um, integration movement. And not only do we integrate, but we begin to assimilate. But out of that integration movement, out of that civil rights movement, you had the black power movement was birthed. So when we look at, when we go back and we start, to, we begin to do our homework and we look at this, the 70s and the late 60s and we see this black power movement, we see this black is beautiful, we see groups, one of the most renowned groups, groups, and depending on what side of the track you're on, one of the most infamous groups is that of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, who strongly pushed self-determination and self-sufficiency. We saw it in the, in the feeding programs. We saw it in the health programs. We saw it in the uh, SAFE, Seniors Against Fearful Environment, in the shoe refurbishing programs. So many programs that teach us that we could do it on our own. When did we begin? And I understand the COINTELPRO. I think a lot of us understand the COINTELPRO. But I'm trying to figure out the psychological warfare that was waged on a community of people that we begin to, especially in these progressive black organizations in general, and specifically these uh, so-called Panther parties, when did we begin just to become protest movements? When did we lose the momentum or the sense of direction to achieve self-determination? Like I said, when we look back in the 70s, whether we agree with them or not, we had movements like the Moorish Science Temple under our uh, 60s and 70s under Noble Drew Ali, the Nation of Islam under Elijah Muhammad, uh, Father Divine, so many, you know, even, like I said, whether we agree or not, the US organization, so many movements, despite their methodology of how they tried to achieve this, their ideology, their aims and objectives was that of liberation and independence for the African people here in America. So when did that come in to where we all work with, where you find us where we are now, to where we just have become protest movements? We're on the, the next thing and waving banners or we have a food project, not even a food program, projects, and we've become uh, organizations uh, of social social band-aids. When did that come effect, and what kind of psychological warfare did they wage on us to make us think that that's the be-all and sum-all of the liberation struggle? Well, I would say what we have to go back to is, is look at the, the what typically forms a protest. Protests are typically formed by that from, from the average person's perspective of enough is enough and so they assume they assimilate and and you know voice their concerns their their frustrations about an issue so most protests happen from the average person and again going back to the different various programs that the other organ you know that that the organizers or the grassroots organizations would set up these are people that are basically uh, tackling things from the standpoint of trying to have a systematic approach to 
free us and, and change our conditions. But going, like you said, going into COINTELPRO, what happens is the leaders of these movements die off or get killed off or get imprisoned or, or, or just stop fighting that fight because uh, not enough people, not enough resources are being replenished, whether that be people power, whether that be economics, or whether that just be, you know, youth that are able to carry on a foundation that was laid, then what happens is the disconnect from that comes from uh, having people that are seasoned enough and capable of actually continuing the work that was done, uh, you know, when it was a revolutionary type of movement. So as less and less people are seasoned and, and know these various approaches and, abil- and have the ability to make moves on them, then the common person in the community, you know, takes over the type of, of, of action that needs to happen. And that's where you get so much protest. That's why you got so much protest now, because anybody can, can uh, pick up a sign and, and voice a frustration in groups of people thing that can be done to voice, you know, or, or expose a, a, a problem in the community. And so with that, there are so many organizations that come out of protest or there's so many people that get involved from that level simply because that's the root level and that's the, that's the base level, not root level, but that's the base level of operation. And so that's how a lot of our movements have transitioned to become protest movements because that's the basic thing that goes on. But the most elevated aspect, you know, when we, when we talk about self-determination and we talk about the things that's supposed to e- evolve from protest are not there. And that's where the disconnect is. So that's not happening because a lot of the people that are forming these protests are simply caught up in that mode. And what happens also, again, even from the standpoint of protesters, there are, are predators that, that join in on that. A lot of uh, attorneys from that standpoint, soldiers have been, then they see an opportunity to make money. And so the system revolves around protest. So the people tend to think that they receive the victory simply because the person, you know, uh, uh, the police department may let somebody go. The, an attorney may jump on the case, sue the hell out of the city and, and award the victim with money from time to time or the exposure itself may put shame on the system. But what happens is that, again, dies down, and then the problem happens up, sprouts up again somewhere else in another city, simply because the root problem is not being addressed. So when people go out and protest, that's just to bring exposure to the situation. But what's supposed to, what's supposed to evolve from protest is direct action. And from that direct action, a process should be put in place to work on preventive, prevent, preventing this from happening again and again and again and again. So Part of what should happen as well, one of the things we should hold accountable to even the families of, 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 of these situations. Just say an attorney, someone gets shot and killed by the police unjustly. Attorney comes in, move in, and they award the family with money. That family should be obligated to put back some of that money that caused their child to be killed into a process that's going to prevent other children from being killed. Versus taking that money, running with it, and then they, they basically, you don't hear it from them ever again. And then someone else gets shot on an, in another city or another part of town, and the whole thing starts over again. So then from that standpoint, attorneys and, and even some, some degree, some organizers pray off of the, uh, the idea that this is going to be a perpetual process in place. So protest is also fed into the 
the systematic way of doing things to the point of where you have predators and prey. There's plenty of people that that predator that are, that prey off of the fact that we are stuck in this perpetual mode of protesting, and they look forward to it, especially attorneys, because they see a they see a they see a, a, a slam dunk payday. And with the system being what it is, because again, a lot of uh, of the way enforcement, police enforcement is dealt with in the community, especially going back to looking at the crack academic and how laws are, are catered toward an, an ethic class versus the actual drug itself that's placed and where, and where the drug comes from. Instead of them actually going out to the kingpins, they go out to the average drug dealer. dealer. So that feeds right back into the process of predator-prey. So instead of stopping drugs from coming into the country, they regulate it. And by regulation, that basically means control and make sure you are con- able to contain the, the, the flow of it. And by containing the flow of it, that also means that you nip things at the bottom. So they, they knock from the bottom and they knock a little bit from the top. And by doing so, they regulate the amount of, of flow. And, and that puts us right back in a position of being incarcerated as a people because now you have a large percentage of in brown people going to prison for the sake for something ba- as, as you know basic and minor as the way drugs are being pushed into the community. So from that, when drugs are pushed into the community, they seize the property, they seize the money, they turn right around in the drugs that they seize, they put undercover people in. And, and put the drugs right back out in the community and then trap more people for selling drugs, which in turn feeds the, the, the criminal justice system and makes everybody money involved in the criminal justice process on, on from the attorney to the judge to the bailiff, to everybody involved, to the average police officer involved. Everybody gets paid off of the fact that something is pumped into the community and regulated versus stopped. So a lot of the problems and conditions that we're facing is based upon a systematic design that is, is feeding off of, again, those people that are at the bottom of the totem pole or the bottom of the power or the least likely putting themselves in a the position of power. So the whole system perpetuates and revolves around our inability to do for self. And that's I think part that... of why protest is where it is. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think that I'm always amazed at how the so-called leaders, you know, don't don't see that and how they give in to the individualism. Like you were speaking about when the money is exchanged, when, when some tragedy strikes and the parents are given, awarded certain types of money and it, nothing is ever given back to ensure that, to put programs in place to assure that this doesn't happen to other people's children. The individualism that affects us as a people, and especially, like you were saying, us being at the bottom of the totem. My thing is, you know, and we're talking about solutions. You know, how do you achieve self-determination? How do you start to galvanize and motivate the people, I mean, who are already at the bottom, who you would think that it's obvious that you have nothing to lose, that you are the prey to these predators, that, that, you know, um, that if you don't come together, you would think that, just common sense or nature, the very act of nature, would, be, would help you to begin to see that it's, you know, that it's not just, this isn't just a social club, but that it's imperative for our survival and continuance as an ethnicity, as a people, you know, of African descent to start to come together. So what are some of the solutions, man? What are some of the things that we can 
begin to use to shake the people up to say, hey, you know what, we better stick together or we better, you know, begin to start to push for programs and things and some preventative measures. I would say from that standpoint, those of us that's real to this just have to work on developing a, 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 a curriculum to educate the community and bring the community around to what needs to happen. And I think that's part of what hasn't been taking place is a actual process of self-determination projected and promoted within the community, whether it be from a, the individual level to the community level and so on and so forth. So even when those of us in, 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 the, in the movement, that termination, a lot of times that, that has been done from the standpoint of a Messiah-type image versus the community actually being able to uplift and make itself uh, prosper, other than the Black Panther Party. And, when the black again, when the Black Panther Party pushed that, the, the government jumps in and tries to eradicate those people that are moving the community to do for self, and they subjugate and, and hijack the programs and the operations so that when the operations are now being controlled by the government once again, then the people lose sight of the, the, the real reason that these services were provided. And I think that is part of what the, the problem was, is a lot of times the real reason why these services were provided got lost in the mix of the fact that we needed these, these programs and services. But they also need to come from us. And that's part of the problem and part of the disconnect is that we need to hold ourselves accountable. We need to uh, take in and want to nurture ourselves to a position of empowerment. So where we need to go with that in terms of a solution is that we need to bring ourselves back around to want to do for self. And so we need to find ways to promote, advertise, and make that an end thing. We have to use some of the same processes, unfortunately, in terms of psychological warfare that's been used against us to, to cause us not to care about the, the uh, doing for self. So our people have been tricked and coerced into giving away our, our rights and our ways of self-preservation. The way media is exposed to us, the way entertainment is, is exposed to us, and again, the way these golden carrots and lottery systems and and, and drugs and alcohol, all these different things pacify us and put us back to sleep. So we have to, in turn, find a way to interject the true essence of what needs to happen and you and, I, and honestly use some of the same perspectives and make it a cool end thing and a positive and a progressive thing to want to do for self. So we have to, we have to also play the same channels. Because as long as it's dry, as long as it's drawn out, as long as it seems hard as hell to do, and as long as it seems like if I do this, then everybody's going to look at me like I'm crazy or I have to be a Muslim, feel like I have to be a Muslim to do this. If all of these things work against us, then it's just going to be just not worth the average person's time to even invest in the, the, the process of looking into the possibility of going where we need to go as a people to be in a better position of empowerment. So we have to find ways to be innovative in terms of how this is presented to the community and how we implement our actions to the community. Mm -hmm. So is it, so is it, a, I, I, I think of self-determination. Is it just out of laziness? You know, I know one of the things, like you were saying, when the government took over a lot of the programs, it was just easier to rely on the people again to begin to do for us. 
is it out of laziness, a lackadaisical attitude towards our own self-sufficiency, or is it genuinely not knowing what footsteps to take? I think it's, 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 it's a combination. It's a multifaceted approach. And that's why I say, and I address it from the standpoint of warfare, it's, it, it hadn't became, it, you know, we hadn't lost our ability just by one means. It's been various things that have been used against us over a period of time to cause us to be in the condition we're in and cause us to look at things the way we do. And so we also have to have a multifaceted approach to bringing it back around to making it the thing to do and the thing that we must need to do. So one of the things we have to try to work on is not making it so much of a a terror or fear tactic. Because, again, that even goes imply, implies into what happens within some form, sometimes within religion. They basically make it a fear, a fear tactic as to why you should go to church or why you should worship this person over that person or this God over that God or this route over that route. You know, we got to try to stay away from that because that, again, is also when you start co-opting the same thing that's been used against us. So a lot of times when these pastors, preachers, uh, come at people and, and make it seem like you're gonna you're gonna go to hell if you don't you know do this or do that in this order or through this person or through these means. They they are also co-opting the same type of predator mentality that puts us in the position we are in anyway, which co- forces people to have PS, PTSD. And so, since by us being so convoluted with so many tactics and, and, and pressure tactics that comes out on us, the average person wants to just go to sleep because it's much easier to ball up in a corner and just and just deal with it from that standpoint than it is to come up out of that, that corner and face all these obstacles and conditions to just go and try to find a better way of life. This is why so many people, when they do feel like they get a little bit of income, they move out of the neighborhoods in the first place. Because once the the next door neighbors know you got a little more than they do, now all of a sudden, if people want, they got their hands out, or they want something from you more and more and more, and everybody got their eyes on you. And even if you're in a position where you want to try to empower, do something for the community, do something for the neighbor, you got to worry about getting stabbed, shot, and so on and so forth in our own community, just so you just so you can help people. And so we got all these different conditions that are subconsciously working against us and one of them being the predator-prey mentality. So what works against our people is the fact that the society itself, even through competitive competition that's relayed through sports, teaches us to be individuals. It teaches us that the only way to, 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 the only way to, there's only one winner and everybody else is a loser. But then at the same time, it throws a carrot out there and everybody feels like they got a shot at being that winner. And so since everybody feels that, that they got a shot, Everybody chases this this crazy dream of being that one. And, again, that's what's promoted through entertainment, through the media, television, and even when you look at uh, the news and how media and information is reported through the news, it's always sensationalism that grabs the headlines. Well, it's not sensational to start working on your education uh, and, and reading and developing yourself to be at a greater level. What's more, what's sensational is when someone blows their brains out. You don't get sensationalism through trying to self-study and, 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 and build internal, internally. That's not, there's nothing sensational about it. So we have to find ways to make 
what needs to happen in our communities so that we can do for self and, and, and encourage doing for self to be something that's attractive. And unfortunately, we're in a position where there's nothing, there's not much written on that other than the processes that have been used to defeat us. So we have to take these psychological parameters and psychological ways that have been used to imprison us and um, imprison our minds and cause us to be lazy and to not notice and not realize what to do and twist that around and use it to our benefit from a progressive standpoint. This is why we tell people to study the 48 laws of power and things of that nature, because they have to understand what's being used against them so that we can have a corrective procedure to work against what's being used for us. And it's a, and it's a long, drawn-out process. Go ahead, Travis. No, I was saying absolutely. I agree with you. I like um, what you were saying about, especially about that individualism. And one of the things to go back what you were talking about earlier, um, when when we talk about when you were talking about the, the Panthers of old, uh, the Panthers of old, the third development or the original, as people like to call them. When you when we were enemies, when we needed certain things, when they provided these certain things, then I think that the people saw the need for self determination. And I agree with what you were saying when you were saying that the overall aims and objectives of self-sufficiency, like point number one of the platform, we want freedom, we want the right to power to control our own communities, we want the right to practice self-determination, that that has been lost in the shuffle. Um, and with saying that, to say that now, you know, our battle, our war is a little different because I think that the material substance is being provided for us. So do you feel that the people don't really see the need for self-determination like that? Have we become, even so-called revolutionaries in progressive black organizations, have we become complacent? Have we lost the desire for self-sufficiency and self-determination, um, or are we just missing the mark? Is it that we've lost the desire for it, missing the mark, or just don't get it all the way around? Well, honestly, I think it's all the above. We have lost the desire, and what lose what happens first is you lose the desire. You lose the desire because a, a easier means or a less resistant process starts taking shape and taking fold, and that goes back to a lot of the services being provided to us. And as that takes fold and it becomes easier to go about in a different way, then we forget the mythologies and the ways that is required for us to be able to be self-sufficient. So that's where the laziness steps in. So once things are forgotten or processes are forgotten, and then the people get used to not having and not needing from that standpoint in terms of what, they, what, what their reality tells them. So their perception and their reality is it's not necessary. So when we feel that it's not necessary, then the, the process that, that is need to be that, that is implemented in terms of being able to be self sufficient is lost. And that is, is it get a lot of times it gets lost with the elders when they die off and there's not a, a replacement and there's not a foundation in place that requires continually develop and continually caught up with in terms of the modern times and um and and uh, again develop with the, 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 the you know the modern times. So as the elders die off and the for the foundation is not built upon, then we lose sight 
and we lose sight and we lose we lose that inf- that great powerful information and the youth don't pick up on that and when they don't pick up on that they don't work on that then it, it, again it it gets lost and as it gets lost no one knows how and as people don't know how we have to find ourselves rebuilding something all over again from scratch yeah because we don't have well, that we, direct access to the information. Well, we talk about a class struggle. You were talking about a class struggle, and and how we, when we assimilated, we lost a, a little bit, a lot of the nationalist struggle, and began to uh, affiliate more with a class struggle. So when you say self determination, do you find it like what I find a lot of people, especially um, at people of African descent, Africans here in America, who have, you know, I'm not going to say they're wealthy. But let's say that they're state, for the most part, economically. When you say self-determination, that sounds a lot to them like poverty. It sounds a lot to them like, okay, I've worked hard to get to where I'm at, and now you want me to give my wealth to whom you call the masses, and these people can do what I do. Or So how does this self-determination benefit me? Because I'm I'm in a good space in my life. I have a home. I have a car. Maybe even two cars. I have a steady paying job. How is this self determination beneficial to me as an as an African, and where I won't have to lose my station in life, or where I won't have to be primitive? Because we always hear a lot of people, you know, we know that Huey them, and especially people who came from that Marxist Leninist understanding, that socialist understanding of um, egalitarianism equality amongst the, the the economic equality. So a lot of people think that that means giving up my wealth, giving giving up my advancements, my achievements that I've made. So why is this self-determination pertinent or important to me, and why should I even lend an ear to it? I would say it's, it, we have to understand basically what has happened from that position is that there has been such a gap placed in, within our community amongst those that have and have not. And when you play the game of creating social classes, what happens is obviously the ones at the very top are the ones that that are doing, you know, to a high degree better than those around them are going to see that there is a lot to give up from that standpoint. And that's the whole point of making sure that you do create a distinction between the classes is because that when you do that and you do that at, at a high rate like, like, this, like the system is currently at, then – the average person feels like they all have to give up something and nobody wants to be the one giving up. And the ones at the bottom, they, they, they're, they're taught in their position to think that those that don't have, don't have because they didn't work hard or they didn't try hard or they didn't get the, good, the, the, the best education or there's always some excuse. There's always some reason why that, the, that in poverty, poverty is the way it is. And so those at the top, or those within the middle, so to speak, or chasing the middle, are led to believe that the, the, the majority of the ones at the bottom belong there, or they're simply because they didn't put in the hard work that I put in. And so as long as people feel that the, the, the separation or the breakdown is, is true and just, then there's going to be that, that, that disconnect on that. There's going to be a reason why, I should, you know, that I'm going to come up with to tell myself why I shouldn't why I shouldn't give up or why I shouldn't help. 
But see, that also is part of, of the, uh, the, the the psychological warfare that's taking place within our people and with society. You keep everyone constantly divided. That's all it is. It's just a divide and conquer mentality. So when you divide and conquer people in the way of thought, and see, that's what we, we fail to realize. When people think of divide and conquer, they, they think of physical barriers. But no, these are actual are actual mental barriers that have been placed upon the average person in terms of their upbringing, in terms of what they deem to be valuable, how they deem to be valuable, and, and, and who defines that value. And so when we are, are, are taught to, again, not unify, not come together, and don't see the value in, in a common unity and a common um, a, a source of wealth, then that individual, the individualism will set in and it will thrive and it will win because we don't see how the community and all come up to a certain level. And that's simply because the way things are being projected. And since things are projected to that way, it keeps us all at this competitive, competitive state. And everything mm-hmm. is, is, is viewed upon from a, a race. You know, and it goes back to even, you know, the not, the whole concept behind nine to five. It's viewed upon from the standpoint of being in a competitive race from the way we yeah. think, the way we act, the way we educate ourselves, the way we, we uh, coexist with our next door neighbors, everything. And so this is all used against us as a people. And when it's used against us as a people, we, we you know, subconsciously buy into this. And this becomes ingrained into our generational development. And and from that standpoint, it's, again, too few people that can see through that mask, can see through the wall of illusion, can see through that, that false sense of reality at any given time. Simulation has killed us. You know, when you, when you talk about, because once we start using um, their standards of measurement for success, you know, certain material possessions equal success in life. I think that that kills us because I look at other ethnicities, you know, other people that come over here and people that have been over here for generations, excuse me, that own businesses. And I'm sure economically they're what we would deem as successful. We probably would call those people successful, you know, economically. But what keeps them from falling into this class divide amongst their own? You know, that's the question. How do they sustain, you know, to the point where you don't see them really having, or do they do go through it and maybe it's just not exploited as much as our divides are exploited? Exploited as much as ours. reason why would be that a lot of them are still tying themselves back to a landmass, tied back to, to a culture and a way of life that, forces them to, or not force them, but to where they see obli- uh, obligation to re- lend, to, to send money back home, send money back to their other, their other family members that may not be in the same position they're in. And so you see that. You see, and I experienced that in my home. You see it where you're sending money back to, your, to, to where you came from. And the work that you do over here, you, you, y'all mass up and y'all, y'all huddle up. You see it within the Brown community where, you know, a, you may see a, a family to where the, 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 the mother, father, and even the, grand, the grandparents are all in the same household working, all in the same household living together. Whereas within a lot of times within the black community, we try to hear them kick our children out the house at the age 18, whether they're yeah. uh, uh, you know, working on their education or not. 
We want to hurry yeah. up and separate the different age brackets of our, of our families. And so from that standpoint, of course, we're going to be in a whole different perspective than they are because now we're forcing our people to try to have to do, to do more with less, but not giving them the tools to do more with less. So it's kind of insane when you think about it. But a lot of time that has to do with the cultural breakdown. Since we don't tie and look at things from the standpoint of a landmass or a, or a defined culture and way of life that goes back to the mother country, Africa, continent, I'm sorry, continent of Africa, and it, 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 we, we're just out there. And so we gravitate toward what we feel to be a, a certain level of accomplishment, which puts, puts us in a position where we are preyed upon again by a system that says the more you accumulate, the more work you have. So then you get this buy now, pay later mentality. And so our people get caught up into the credit, into the whole credit scam. And now you get all this credit card debt. You got to buy this. You got to buy that. You got to have the appearance of being uh, important, not actual importance, but the appearance of it. And the appearance of being important says that I need to dress this way. I need to wear this. I need to look like this. I need to buy this. And so when we accumulate all these items that are unpaid for, then now we go into debt. And so now we're sent to this rat race. So we have to hair up and pay off things or have to hair up and, 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 and pay down as much as we can. And then at the same time, hit with these finance charges and they constantly can accumulate and accumulate, accumulate. And something that costs $2,000 after you've done finance, it costs you six to $7,000. And we are caught up into that to the point to where now we don't even have time to stand back and think about doing, making better and being able to put our possess, ourselves in positions of purchasing things outright versus loans, being dealt, dealing with things from the standpoint of loans, you know? And so our financial literacy is, is shot. And a lot of times this goes back to being having, not having land or having a, a value placed upon your work based upon what you're able to prosper and do with the little, the, the, the little bit that you had in the beginning or your family had or having, you know, land ownership and just say, you know, built, a house on this land, you know, uh, two, three generations ago or even further back. And now you're going to just keep adding to that land. And before you know it, you're going, you can build two, three, four houses. So the whole family is able to thrive on this land because uncle stays over here down the street on these hundred acres we got. Well, uh, you know, my niece and nephew stay on the same land. The land has already been purchased within the family. And everybody can, at this point, can build on the land. And as everybody builds on the land, that means it's, it's, it takes less to develop. Whereas when you have to buy something outright based upon market value of current times, then you're at a position where you can't keep up with the payments. You can't keep up with what's going on. And so we don't see things from that standpoint as, other, as a lot of times outside cultures do. Yeah. Yeah, we I, I we've been taught consumer capitalism. That is just you know buy 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 and not looking for long to have the long term effects. And even when you're speaking about the the thing, what shocked me was even our return to trying to embrace our culture, especially when we start to try to embrace some African identity through material possessions. I don't know when is the last time you've been to an African shop and tried to purchase an African garment or something, the prices are ridiculous. So we find this capitalism uh, seeping into even, um, uh, you know, our cultural identity, even to where 
people are exploiting us culturally. Those of us that yearn to return back to some, uh, you know, like I was saying, cultural identity to Africa or some semblance of where we came from, from the mother continent. And being able to flip that thing around is imperative to our self-determination. You know what I'm saying? There's no, there's no way around that. But when we talk, when, when you're talking about, and since we're talking about economics, you know, what has happened to us? And I understand what you're saying about how we got into the assimilation and the materialism and thinking that I pulled myself up by the bootstraps, everyone can do it. But what has happened to us that we don't practice a group economics? And did we practice it in segregation, or was it just, was that a part of us, or was it just because it was forced on us and it was out of necessity? Hmm. Sorry, brother, say that last sentence part again. The part of, you know, we find that when we started to, when we integrated and assimilated, we found a, you know, our black businesses began to deteriorate. We didn't have as many black businesses as we had in segregation. We didn't practice or we don't practice group economics like we used to in, in, in segregation. So is it that we lost our mind? when we integrated and just totally forgot about what was innate in us as far as group economics, or was it that we practiced group economics out of a necessity, out of the fact that we were uh, blackballed and weren't allowed to uh, buy certain products or to shop in certain places or spend money with certain people? Well, I would say that the fact that we, we, we had no choice, going back to what you're saying, did force us to do so. But what it did, again, it kind of like what we talked about in the very beginning, it, the fact that we were, were required to do for self, we lost, once, once assimilation took place, we lost sight of the real reason why it was a good thing that we, that we, that we were in a condition we were, we, that we were in. Because, again, it, it, when we're forced to do for self and we're forced to come together and we're forced to build and be self-sufficient, then we we actually end up thriving. So part of the whole point of creating a, an assimilated society was to tackle and to create a a conquer and divided mentality. Because now all of a sudden the uh, the prominent black communities are no longer prominent. So the individuals themselves that 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 help meet these 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 situations are not able to see what's going on with them with, with, within a community, and they be become victims of, of the uh, integration themselves and, and separation and assimilation. And the masses of the people go back and become, you know, additional predators to uh, various conditions that they want to use against us. So part of the assimilation game was to continue the chain of creating a way to victimize or a way to constantly make money and constantly develop from the people. So when 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 um, industrialization came what it was, and you no longer leave the black people to pick cotton, they had to come up and they had to find a way to still utilize the labor body or, or want to utilize the labor body or take from that same body of labor. So as black people started, you know, cropping our own land and and and, and developing our stuff. Then they came up with this whole system, which goes back to what I said about the predatory lending and say, well, you need to purchase this particular machinery so that y'all can crop 
and and develop your land and not having uh, the, the the means of exchange, we turn around and, okay, well, y'all can basically go right back into slavery for a certain amount of period and to pay off the debt so that you can purchase this stuff and purchase these things to develop your land. And in doing that, next thing you know, we get right back caught up in the fold of not ever being able to catch up because who who defines and places the value upon the different um, products that are developed? From a, from a consumer standpoint, it's supply and demand. And that supply and demand does not equate to the actual labor or the actual real work. It has to do with, with, with a market. And that market is driven by fictitious value. And that fictitious value can always change. So as soon as you start winning in a game, the game maker can turn around and develop new rules and say, oh, these don't apply no more. And you and you left behind again. And so as long as we're players in this game, instead of being in control of our own destiny, our own way of life, we will always lose out. And so we we're not being conscious enough to to see that we're playing we're running this race that we can't win. And we so we have to get back to we have to get back to the hard work. There's just no real way around that. The hard work is only hard in the in, in the beginning. Once it's once any process gets to the point to where it's at the sustainability stage, then it's less work that needs to happen. Of course, it's harder to initially invest in something, but once it's done, once that building is built, built once that uh, production factory is established, then the means of just staying in production is a lot easier. And if that stay and if that stays within the family, stays within the structure, stays within the society, then you will be able to reinvest and develop more means of technological or production means and advancement. It's just getting over that initial hump. And that initial hump we're facing right now is galvanizing enough people to come together so that we can work on these initial plans, these initial investments. If they, you know, well, revolution let, let, is, is going to be hard. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's play the race card. Let me play devil's advocate because when we're talking about self-determination and we're talking about it from an African here in America perspective, a black nationalist perspective, people would say, well, you know, that's racism. That's you're, you're still practicing that we did away with segregation that this is, you know, the land of the free, the home of the brave. You can accomplish whatever you, you know, hard work, some elbow grease, son, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And why can't we all just get along and why can't we intermingle and come together? Why do black people feel that they have to, um, you know, what do you mean by self-determination and self-sufficiency? Aren't you American? Aren't you a part of this great system? You know, Lincoln freed the slaves. So what's it, what, what is this talk of self-determination? And a lot of times when they say self-determination, you know, they hear they think of people like the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey or Elijah Muhammad because these were people who really had coined, coined those phrases. So what would be your response to those people that say, well, you know, this just sounds like a bunch of black supremacist racist rhetoric. You know, why can't we all get along? What's up with multiculturalism? Why do you black people need to feel the need to be self-sufficiency and not depend on America because you are American after all. Well, I would say in regards to that, 
basically we're practice self-determination. It does not mean that we have to uh, condemn, condone, or, or, or subjugate an, another ethnic race to destruction or, 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 or condemn them or make them the evil. And I think that's part of the, part of the problem as well, is that a lot of times people are fueled through their emotions to get involved. And, and unfortunately, some of the methodologists to try to get our people to come together, again, that's why I, I use the, the example when I say, well, we can't get into this, this whole fear type of uh, a bashing or, 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 or possess, position in order to get our people to do the right thing. And that's part of what happens is, is we some, sometimes things are taking place to where we try to use our anger and our hatred to, to galvanize us to, do, to, do, to work together. Or we try to condemn or we try to knock down uh, another group in order to make ourselves feel better about what we are or what we can do. And I think that's the wrong way, too, because I feel like what that does is, is basically substitute your condition with, you know, a, 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 another problem that's, that's just as bad. I mean, the whole point of, of, dealing with, of dealing with and fighting against hatred is not to create hatred for the hated, to develop and, and build so that you don't have to be imposed by that hatred or, or, or by that, that uh, imposed way of life. So what I would suggest and I would say in regards to dealing with that is we say, well, we're just simply saying that instead of the black communities that are, that are, that are, that are now defined by their low-income status, we're going to define the black communities by their empowerment status. I mean, because all, all groups of people basically hover together no matter what anyway, for whatever reason. So all we're just stating now is that we're just going to do, we're going to just do better for, our, for ourselves. That's it. And so when someone tries to come at you and say, well, aren't you just playing a race card? Aren't you just trying to condemn or talk bad or, or act like, you know, this ain't right and this ain't, you know, no, you just turn around and say, no, we're just simply defining what we, what's in the best interest for ourselves by ourselves. That's it. If, if you want to assist us, then, you know, then what I could, you know, what you could do from that standpoint is just not participate in the level of involvement and, and psychological destruction that you allow to take place. You know, you work on your side, we work on our side, and we can come now, together in, in the end. You know, you just you don't have to bash or, de or destroy another race in order to try to improve or, or work on building yours. Absolutely, absolutely, I man, absolutely. I think that was well said. So let me let me say this: Am I understanding you correctly when you say so? The motivating factor, the motivation behind self determination, is empowerment of 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 a people and in this what we're talking about now African people here in America is you're saying that's the guiding motivating factor and not hatred uh for any other race or the desire to subjugate any other race. Correct. I'm saying that the our our building block is love for for ourselves. Our building block building blocks are based on us loving ourselves enough to want to do better for ourselves. And, it's, and, and by that standpoint, all of the focus and energy is on what we want to do and what we want to improve with ourselves. And we can do that without even uh, jumping into or bashing the condition of those that are, are, are the predators. Because mind you, the, the society and, and the way things are addressed and the way things are brought up defines 
predator versus prey. And so we don't have to define ourselves by talking about the conditions or ills of the predator. We can just simply say, hey, we, we choose to no longer be the victim. We choose to no longer allow ourselves to be victimized. We don't have to say um, such and such is evil or, or, or they need to stop doing this. No, we need to start doing this. If we start taking the measures that we need to take in order to make ourselves better, it will automatically affect those that are, are preying upon us without us going into a whole frenzy of addressing them. We address ourselves. And then that, in turn, will address them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like that. I like what you said, that the building block of it is simply that, a love for your a love for your people. And like I tell people, you know, self-determination so that it can make you not just us as individual Africans, but us as a whole better participants in any society that we live in. And I think that that's, I think that that's important. You know, self-determination gives a strong sense of uh, self-worth. It creates positive images. It helps to rebuild and uh, re-strengthen black families or African families here in America. I think that it goes, I think that it goes a long way. And we see, and like I said, man, we, we, we see this problem. I think what gets me, though, War, the biggest thing, Chief, is to see these so-called progressive black organizations and these black leaders not really cap on that or to touch on that. And it's it's a travesty because at the end of the day, that's what it, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And we see every other ethnicity practicing and participating in their self-determination and their self-sufficiency here in America. But like I said, it goes to the question, though, there again, to ask that question again, to reiterate that question again. What about those people that say, well, isn't America sufficient for you enough as a black people? You don't see, um, you know, they may say you don't see white, though we do. You don't see white people clamoring for self-determination and self-sufficiency. Isn't it all about the American dream? Isn't that, isn't our participating as individual good American citizens enough for us? Why the need for you as a group of people to say, hey, we have to be self-determined. Don't we have every ample opportunity to provide for ourselves? And they'll say, even I've even already quoted, hell, you guys had a black, we, we've had, we've had a black president. You know, how much more do do you need or do you want? Well, I would even go as far as to say what I'm, what I'm addressing is not outside of the American dream. The American dream is the pursuit is the pursuit for happiness. Well, now we need to, as a people, define what our happiness is. That's the problem. The problem is who has defined what happiness is for us. And so right, as right we need to right define on. it for ourselves. So let's define our own pursuit. You know what I mean? Because basically the pursuit, okay, whose pursuit and for what? So let's define, per the American dream, let's define our pursuits and let's define our happiness. And when we do that, we do for self, and we're, we're applying, we're, we're chasing or doing the American dream. But we want to make sure that the pursuits can lead toward accomplishment. Because mind you, that is a play on words as well. The whole pursuit is just simply mean that you have the freedom to, to work or to, 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 to attempt to gain. That's not mean that you yeah. will gain, but you have the the right, the right to pursue. <laughs> right on. You you have the right to chase after happiness. 
You have the right yep. to you have the right to pursue it. <laughs> I love it. But one right. one thing I even will go go as far as to say in just just an example in nature. Uh, let's just talk about amphibians from the standpoint of amphibians not allowing themselves to be victimized by the reptiles. What frogs have 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 started doing in nature, what they do is when 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 they find themselves at a position where they're constantly being eaten in 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 terms of building a defense, what it does instead of attacking or coming up with ways to bash or attack the snake, it just develops a toxicity level within itself to make it un uh, un uh, 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 unrequired or a uh, 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 bad condition for that prey to consume it. So what it did was create a, a toxin within its skin. And when it creates a toxin within its skin, it's not going out and attacking snakes and, and killing snakes. What happens is when a snake attacks and, and tries to kill it, it ends up killing itself. So its way of defending itself is just making it a unfavorable condition for you to come after me. And so as black people, we should do the same thing to the capitalistic system. It would be unfavorable and it would be detrimental for this system to try to thrive off of being a uh, preying on me any any further. And I'm not attacking the system by doing that. I'm simply building up my own internal defenses. And by building up my own internal defenses, then it becomes a condition that is unfavorable for you to try to victimize me. And we apply those same things. So we can look at nature and come up with solutions. Right on. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination. Your um, host, Chairman Yang Nkrumah, co-hosting is our National Chief of Staff, Brother War. And we're talking about how do we achieve self-determination and, and, and looking at various aspects and um, just having this real good conversation with the chief man, which is always good, and I love the brother's insights. Now, again, I see a lot of people listening. So if you have questions, comments, press one. If not, sit back and, and enjoy the show. Get your pen and pad out, man, and continue to um, just take notes and, and learn from it. But one of the things I wanted, since we do see the progressive black organizations in general, specifically the Black Panther Party, taking the route that they're taking as far as protest movements, as far as addressing social ills and creating pro not programs, projects to address these social ills, is is there still a need? Are you and I, are the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination dinosaurs? You know, is there a need for self-determination in the way that we're espousing it, in the way that we're trying to bring it to the masses of people? Is there a need for that? And if, you know, if so, why haven't more people or more organizations jumped on that, and why has it died off? so early? Why hasn't that still been a hard theme amongst the more more progressive and more revolutionary black organizations? Are we just relics? Are we just dinosaurs? Are we beating up? Are we playing an old tune? You know, do you see still see a need for that? And do the Panthers still need, or do the, are, you know, are, do we still need a revolutionary vanguard? Or do we need some more, or do we need to be radical reformers and just start reforming some of the policies and legislations that are that are specifically targeting people of African descent. I would say I wouldn't call us dinosaurs. Let me tell you why. Because when I think of a dinosaur, a dinosaur is an, an extinct species. So 
it is yet to be defined as as to whether or not we're dinosaurs. At this current state, we're not dinosaurs, but we are an endangered species. I would say that. But as an endangered species, what we must do in terms of our survival is be innovative in terms of repopulating our our species and repopulating our, our self-interest in terms of what it means and what it will take to gain a greater ground. So we have to be innovative. We have to make things happen, and we have to be more progressive. And I would even go as far as saying in, in regards to the process, we have to realize that also as a political party, we owe it, we are obligated to our people to be able to bring bring solutions to the table for our people. And the problem that we face is what methodologies and what ways do we bring the solutions to the table and what and what those conditions are. So as we develop these in terms of being a political party, we we have to, you know, again, just be more innovative in making sure that we can increase our ranks and in, increase our methodologies and ways of reduplicating ourselves within the community so that our interests can develop and that we can work towards self-determination. And I would even go uh, and look at the fact that there are so many fractions of the uh, of the Panthers at this point in time as an, as proof as to why our extinction is actually working its way out of an of an endangered species status to more of a status of being you know uh, back back on the uh, back on the rise because the conditions of it of of capitalism in, in the way society is going now is starting to rear its head and it's starting to make people realize that they need the Black Panther Party and the different various formations of the Black Panther Party. So the People's Black Panther Party now is is I think working itself put to a position of a required of a required status. So that nostalgia and that, that legacy that was built upon is actually becoming, I would think, is starting to become something of of, of 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 interest to the average person. We just have to make sure we're able to promote it, and we're and we're able to provide, start coming aboard. Wow, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I like the fact that you're saying right that we're an endangered species, not quite dinosaurs yet, but an endangered species and to become innovative to start to replenish our to start to replenish our numbers. So you're saying with all of that saying that you still feel that there is a need for the teachings of self determination to be pushed forth. That that still is a vital um that that, that still is a vital issue or you know still a vital objective in the black liberation movement. It's definitely a vital, a vital objective and, and, and required because the bottom line is as long as there's an African somewhere on the planet, then we have to we owe it to ourselves to make sure that we're able to be self-sufficient. And so the fight that we're having here in the United States is no different than the fight we have on the continent. We have to liberate and free ourselves and free our land and free our people. So the fight we're dealing with is, is just part and parcel of what needs to happen what needs to happen, uh, you know, across the diaspora. So we're just simply doing our part. Right on, right you. on. I'm back. Sorry about that. And so the fight that's going on across the diaspora, we just, we're just doing our part here in the United States. 
but there there's an uprising taking place all over the world and you know not just african people but people are are you know in constant fight for liberation so the same fight that we're having we just have to make sure we are able to realize and recognize the same struggle that that's going on across the world because that's is happening across the world regardless you know of just just uh just uh it's, it's beyond just black you know black and white honestly it's a lot a lot of it is tied back to to landmass and a lot of it is tied back to creating this illusion of, of of a social class and so as people's black panther party our fight is to awaken the sleeping giant going back to what was you know done against us you know so ed- ed- eloquently through different forms of warfare so we just we just doing our part, and as we do our part, and as we dish things out, and we bring people on board, again it goes back to me saying, our position in terms of being people's new black people's Black Panther Party. I'm sorry, people's Black Panther Party for self determination is to help provide a blueprint for the different formations of Panthers, so that we can all work on developing a foundation. So as we build and develop this foundation for other pastors to operate and adapt into their way of, of of bringing themselves to a strong foothold within a community, then, again, we move from that endangered status to be able to build our forces. And as we do that and the community comes aboard and the community sees the need for self-sufficiency, then we work our ways to empowerment. And so the People's Black Panther Party is is basically our our position is to help provide that insight to all Panthers. That's our role. Right on, right on. Let's go to our phone lines. Let's open up a line for uh, our National Minister of Law and Justice, Doctor Justice. Doctor Justice, your mic is open. Black Power, gentlemen. Uh, this is a good conversation. I was listening. And I was wondering for the layperson because um, we as Panthers dynamic, uh, the ones that, you know, the majority of Panthers understand this dynamic. However, what I was trying to figure out is for the layperson that might be listening, where is it that they can start? What is, what, is, what would be the fundamental, the fundamental um, basis for them to get started regarding self-determination as far as the block is concerned. Um, I see in Chicago, I think in Chicago, they're buying the block. They're providing opportunities for the people in the neighborhood to be able to buy the houses that are there. And in, when, I was, when I was thinking about that, I said, you know, well, what about some people's credit? You know, because a lot of that is what keeps us behind as far as not being able to achieve uh, this pursuit of happiness you know, the credit thing. and um, But I'm wondering if you buy as a co-op, and that's just one aspect. Um, but actually the fundamentals of being able to get people involved on a lay level. Sir, I was wondering if you or Brother Chairman could, uh, could, could expound on that because, again, like I said, we can, we can talk about it and we understand this thing. However, there are individuals that are listening that I know they have absolutely no idea as to how to get started. Black Power. Black Power. I'm like Chief. Um, I'll let you let you jump in because you're doing such a wonderful job. I'll let you jump in there and expound on that. Well, I would say the first and foremost thing is 
reach out to any any party in any any uh, Panther Party within your within your region, and make sure that you know you are able to touch base with them. And if they are not able to provide the answers or the insight, then di- I would direct them toward toward us, the People's Black Panther Party. So there's always progressive forces somewhere. And once we, like like the cliche goes, once the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And we're no different with that. So as people seek it out, they just have to be able and patient with the fact that this is a process of development. And and things do take time, but the resources are there. We just have to recognize that they're there, and we have to recognize that we must come together and build on these resources. And so that's one of the things that we're doing in terms of the People's Black Panther Party is making these resources, uh, uh, bringing these resources together, identifying the resources, and sharing them with our various other formations. And that's what has to happen on on that note. And so right on. this program is all also part of that at hope position of solutions. Mm-hmm. And 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 I would add to that, you know, for the people that don't know where to where to start, start with your passion. You know, start with the things that affect you directly. Some of us have, you know, we have to understand when with, we're at war. So war being with Chief War and I spoke about this, so that we're being attacked on all fronts. So start with your passion. If you're a, a person who has children and you're passionate about your child's education, start going to PTA meetings. Find parents of like mind. Start holding informal meetings in your home. It doesn't have to. You don't have to have a roster and a big red, black, and green flag flying. And sit around and discuss, you know, the uh, curriculum. Go to school board, not just PTA meetings. Go to the school board meetings. Find out who sits on the school board. Get involved like that. If you're if you're in health, you know, sit around and, and, and talk. Find the people that, you know, that you have things in common with. Sit around and talk about health. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, when you find about health, maybe if you're big in health and the HIV, AIDS epidemic is big in your city or whatever, go to these clinics. A lot of clinics give out free information, this and that. And then you can do that from a church. Start with a local church. Find a place that you could maybe speak on AIDS, give out condoms. I mean, it's just about really getting in touch with your passion, starting on a grassroots, hell, a mud root level, and just addressing those issues that affect you. You know, I know we have some people on the, you know, like, um, you know, anything. It, it, it can be anything, defense, like I said, health, education. We have a nine local objectives, and they address, address all of that. So it's just about finding your passion finding people of like minds, and then start to address those issues. And once you start addressing those issues and start going to meetings, like the manual says, um, our manual says, attend meetings. You know, if you don't, I think a lot of times a lot of pastors think they have to be the vanguard organization of the revolution in their city. No, go to other people's meetings. You know, sit in, introduce yourself. People will participate with you when they find out that you're willing to participate with them, you know, and go to their meetings. And like the manual says, don't just be a stick in the mud, you know, get involved, ask questions, you know, cheer to, to speak on. That's right, brother. That's right, sister. Or, How can I help? How can we as the black fans, the people's black family party for self-determination help, even if you're just a representative and the only representative in that city? So you have to get out and you have to be active. 
you know, it's not about having, I think a lot of times we get in the mindset, well, we have to have 10 or 20 members and we have to have meetings and this and that. I remember when I started out in Atlanta, I went to everybody's meeting. Hell, I, on Sundays, I went to the Nation of Islam meetings <laughs> and, and sat in there. I've been to a couple of NAACP meetings. I've been to some communist meetings, black communist, black, black, um, the, the union, the black union. You know, I would go anywhere where our people was addressing issues, and I didn't have to be the leader. You know, I was a participant. And as people began to know Brother Yang and know Yanga would participate, when it became when I and started throwing meetings, I invited those people to meetings that I've been to, and they knew that we had a common interest because they saw me at their meetings, so they would come to my meetings here would have to say. And a lot of times at your meeting, invite those people to speak. And people are fighting. You know, we have to understand psychology. People, the favorite name to people or the favorite word to people in their own names and their favorite subject is them. So when you invite people to speak, believe me, they're going to invite their membership to your meeting. Now, you know I'm going to be speaking at the Black Panthers meeting, man. Y'all come on out. So you may have more of their members. Your meeting may really resemble their meeting because you may have more of their members there. You know, it's just that you get, but here's an opportunity for you to espouse your ideology. So we just have to, that's to me, that's where it starts, just really being active and going to meetings and getting yourself known. <laughs> you know, anything you want to add to that, uh, Chief War? Let me uh, put out our phone phone number right quick. So, again, if you Please. are having issues trying to be able to locate uh, some resources, we'll do what we can to help. So contact us at 888 888- Five nine five seven two seven seven. That's eight 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 five nine five seven two seven seven. And again, the whole point of of discussion we're having right now, and where we stand as People's Black Panther Party, is to work towards the solutions. We're not saying we have all the solutions, but we're saying we're dedicated toward actually bringing solutions to the table versus us. You know, putting ourselves in a position where all we're going to do is harp on problems or harp on symptoms and, 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 you know, and bash and bash and bash and not actually raise ourselves up out of the, out of the conditions that we're facing. So we are putting our basically obligating ourselves to say, hey, we need to develop solutions as a people. We're going to work on the developmental process that it takes to get ourselves out of the condition that we're facing. And we need help. We need recruits. We need people to come aboard the the formation that's about bringing a solution to the tables and solutions to the tables. So we definitely need scientists, engineers, doctors, uh, attorneys for that matter, uh, construction workers. But regardless of what background you have, we're here to come together and make solutions for our people. A society has make up of all types of people. And so – from that same standpoint, that same spinoff, in order for us to provide solutions and for us to come out of the conditions we're under, we have to have people of the various backgrounds to help address how to better go about uh, 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 bringing about a, a social change and a revolutionary process to get us out of the conditions we're in now. Right on. Right on. And that's it. One more time, brother. Why don't you put the number out one more time? It's 888-595-7277. So, and 
like like um Chief Ward saying, you know, get at us and we will pull our resources, we will help to the best of our ability because that's what it's about. We understand the importance of really organizing across partisanship, across party lines, across formations, across organizations, that the need for self determination is imperative and to achieve self determination it's going to take each and every one of us. It's going to take each and every one of us working our, our, our specific skill sets where we're strong at, because this is what it, this is what the war consists of, man. Like I said before, we, we we haven't just been attacked on one front on one particular issue. It isn't just police brutality. It's education. It's health. It's the lack of proper food, you know, food deserts. When you go into our grocery stores, they don't contain the same things that they contain in other people's grocery stores and other communities. You know, um, this, this, the, the, our living conditions from our roads to our housing to just everything. So all of these issues have to be addressed if we want to be successful. And so it's going to take each and every one of us. I think that this is the biggest thing for me, and this is what we're trying to achieve at the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination is to get us to understand that we're just not a defense militia, you know, but that we are really the beginning introduce us to bring the introdu- and bring the introduction of self-governing to get us introduced into um, how to begin to govern ourselves, to really move into that 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 realization of point number 10 on our 10-point um, uh, uh, platform and program of um, what it says, there again, almost something like self-determination, getting that Pueblo site together, getting that area together where we come together at a time and place of our choosing amongst our people to decide how we're going to govern ourselves. You know, but this is the first step of that. If we can't begin to pull ourselves up and start to organize ourselves and govern ourselves in the small things and take control of our destiny in the small things, we can really forget about doing that on a larger scale. And that is what is imperative. And that is what is imperative. So, you know, brothers and sisters, I you know, I'ma give some um closing words. I know I'm 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 shutting down a little earlier, ten minutes early. I've had a tragedy to strike the family. It's unfortunate there again, black on black. You know, I lost my cousin last night, a very close cousin of mine. I lost last night, black on black, you know, which constantly reminds me of, of why we do this work, the importance of education, educating our people, the importance of self-determination, which in my mind I strongly believe will raise the level of self-worth and self-value and self-pride to where we would stop this animalistic behavior and begin to view one another not just as human beings but as actual brothers and sisters and will think twice before inflicting harm, for inflicting harm and that much more before taking lives. It's a tragedy. It is a tragedy. So with that, I'm going to give to Ward. Do you have any closing words or, 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 or parting sentiments for our listening audience? I just want to throw our phone number out there one more time, 888-595-7277. Again, the position is that we develop solutions, we come together, and we make this thing happen. 
and we move ourselves from being an endangered species, an endangered movement, and an endangered uh, position of empowerment to that which is of a commonplace, to where it's the end thing and the right thing for the average black person and brown person to understand what it means to be able to empower yourself, your family, and your community. So that's where we must go, prevent ourselves from being an extinct perspective. And even when I say extinct from that standpoint, you can be a certain skin tone, but if your mentality is that of a some something that is outside of what your culture is and your way of life is in terms of the true foundation of what you are, then what really are you? So we don't want to be that 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 watered down that that uh, assimilated people that are just again attacking everyone else outside of the United States or everyone else outside of our class or our social makeup and economic position and physical position. So we have to move away from all forms of, of oppressive behavior. And so in order to do that, we have to get back to what we need to do as a people to put ourselves in a position of empowerment. Why do we need to put ourselves in a position of empowerment? Simply because the way of life in terms of how things are going now is that we are subjugating ourselves to being able to live off the conditions and provisionness of other people and other ways of life. We don't want to be the predators and, 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 and take over and downtrodden other people. We can't continue to bash and destroy and, 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 and suck up the life of the world. We have to be a, perform a solution against that. We have to be the ones that put our best foot forward and say enough is enough. Enough is enough uh, of, of raping, pillaging, and destroying life around the planet, ways of life around the planet, good things and in, in, in good nature and good ways of development around the planet. As African people, let's stand up and let's be the protectors for this planet. Let's be the protectors for what's righteous in society and ways of life. And let's start this here in the United States. And in doing so, it does not mean that we have to hate someone else. What we're doing is we're creating and developing our self-preservation for what's right. Black power. That's right. That is right. Black power. Black power. But with that, I mean, I, I'm going to end on that powerful note. And absolutely, we must be the guardians of one another, the guardians of the planet, and begin to do do what's, what's right for ourselves and for one another. Man, it's been, like always, it's been a great Monday. Look for us next Monday. We will complete the last 10 minutes. I promise you that. Um, look for us next Monday. It's your brother, your host, Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, with our National Chief of Staff, Brother War. I thank everyone for listening in. Um, and I hope that it was beneficial. And I leave you as I greet you with all powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. One time. Yeah. Yeah. Yo.
yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledging, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken, ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rap, to the death of it, to everybody, come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you ready to die, we're not this is what nines is about, nigga, the time is now. All I need is one mic. 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 All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God, forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.